Headphones on, let's do this. Hey, do you know of a, uh, a podcast I could listen to that has nerd and comic books and stuff? I really can't find one. I say, you ever heard of the Nerd Dumb Podcast? Everybody and welcome to the Nerd Dome Podcast, episode two hundred and thirty-seven. I am your podcaster, without fear, Luke, and today I am joined with this guy. Hello, the uncanny <laughs> Ryab, and I am the alliterative Andrew, and classic Chris Hoffman. Oh man, it has been—I don't know about your guys' weekend, but my weekend was was very. Um, very busy, mostly due to uh, Andrew showing me the best way to store comics um, a couple weekends oh, ago. the best way, you uh, say? The best way, because I just have long boxes laying everywhere, and it was very nice to see how like the legal drawer style would work. Um, so for our audience at home, Luke recently purchased... Legal sized filing. I cabinets. did. I did. Um, and it's you didn't want to I go thought. to the black mart and get illegal sized ones. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> just out of the back of a van. Hold on. So, how does those. one how does one use this? Like with hanging fold? How do you use this? So, uh, the way I did it is I used a uh, little, I cut out little pieces of uh, plywood and put four separators in them. And so I can just put them in uh, just like you would into a short box, you know, front to back mm-hmm. and then a divider next to it and then front to back and a divider. And I, these ones I could do four wide. I ended up getting two of them for like 30 bucks. Oh, wow. At a, at a um, garage sale. I just went on Facebook and someone was like, oh, I got two of them for 30 bucks. And I was like, I will be there. So I drove 45 minutes to go get these things. And then I spent all weekend like, organizing getting them into the house yeah yeah. (laughs) um like and then organizing the comics because i had mixed them up when i moved them from one room to another room so yeah i since i had moved everything all of the comics kind of got mixed up uh so i that's when i was talking to you ryan i was like i may need your help with x-men because I don't know the volumes of X-Men that I have, and I'm pretty sure this number oh. three doesn't go with this volume. I think it goes with another volume, but I don't, I can't remember. Is that what you meant? Because we were talking yeah. about reading order for the current, for the, the, the current stuff. Event. And I was, I was conflating the two things. I didn't understand. That's what you mm. meant. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it was, it was one of those things where I was just like, Oh, I screwed this up. So I've been going through and like taking each one, it's like taking each like letter and going through and, and organizing them. So that's nice. what I did all weekend. Yeah. What about you? I guys? went to a baby metal concert. Oh awesome. yeah. And saw death clock. Yes. How was it? 
It was fantastic. Death Clock's not my favorite. Um, it looks did, like a cool show, though. Like I never really it, it liked the a, TV show, but the way that they present it, where like there's the the cartoon on a big screen mm-hmm, behind mm-hmm. them and they're in the dark, but it's mm-hmm. a live band playing, but it's mm-hmm. two media playing. That's mm-hmm. a neat idea. It it was it was very much like a the uh, the best way to put it is a live performance of the cartoon. Like is is kind of the best way. It was like a music Metalocalypse music video live. <laughs> like, like a gorillas concert yeah i guess <laughs> um but it was it was good um baby metal they put on a fantastic show like it was really good um i have a uh, one of my coworkers really loves them and kind of got got us together it was a little work group that we kind of went and and it was a really good show it they it was it was fun the they the, the dancing choreography the the audience stuff that they did um it was fun it's a really good show awesome did they do did they do the uh one of the themes on attack on titan i don't was think that, so but i'm not sure baby metal okay i'm thinking of someone else never mind oh, yeah i don't think so never mind they did give me chocolate they, they should give me uh-huh. cho- <laughs> yep What about uh, Chris, Andrew? What'd you guys get up to since last we recorded? Oh, I uh, spent the weekend doing housework and catching up on all the stuff that I missed out doing because I was uh, tromping around Fanex the previous weekend. Oh. So, yeah, so nothing fun or exciting. <laughs> Got caught up on my grading, you know, fun yeah. stuff. <laughs> uh, did another. Uh, another whatnot session uh like uh, i am doing these like they're like private sessions i am not very good at this i don't put it on facebook or anything yet i'm usually just on like uh testing my equipment (laughs) is what i always say i'm like oh just testing this stuff so but i'm trying to make monday nights be the night that i go do that and uh you guys i finished two commissions while i was on while i was on there i finished most of this one i had this one it is a incredible Hulk where he is serving a taco out of a tiny taco truck, little chibi version. Did you take that as a request, or was that no? This one I've had done. I've had the pencils done on this for a really long time, so I just did the inks uh, uh, on the feed, and then I did the colors today at lunch because um, I was like, "This needs to be finished," and it turned out real cute. Yeah, and then there was uh, someone for our Adrian Rop event. Um, we had a commission that came through where they were asking for a WandaVision cover here on a cover of House of M. And then Andrew suggested to him, he was like kind of wavering about like what uh, what kind of vision and Wanda he wanted. And Andrew was like, maybe get him in their Halloween costumes that they did on the show. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's perfect. Mm-hmm. And so did a little family portrait here of Scarlet Witch and the that's Vision awesome. together. That's amazing. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, it turned out. And so he's excited about it. Got to get that over to him. And then, but so yeah, did a lot of drawing this weekend, which uh, when you practice, you get better. So <laughs> say it ain't so. Yeah. Nope. I, yeah. Keep trying to look for that magic pen that will just do it. But in the meantime, I'm going to try practicing. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, shout out to our, our, our friend, Philip Seavey. He does uh, this every October. He does uh, an X-Men um like a draw a different character every day thing. 
and then he he sells off the commissions that or, or the art that he does, which is yeah. awesome because they're fantastic. Um, last year was the it was X Men like the superheroes. This this one is the supervillains that he's doing this year, and it's it's awesome. I'm interested to see because tomorrow I think is Proteus, mm. and I'm interested to see his take on Proteus. Because my my only take is the the thing that first pops in my head is the giant orange lightning monster thing from the X Men mm-hmm. animated series. Like that's the first thing that pops into my head for that. So I'm interested to see what his is going to be. Is he still drawing them on those? Like they look like the the card the borders of mm-hmm. the cards from the nineties X Men. That was a great idea. He is full uh-huh. of really good ideas. Like that. Those are really neat. And uh, he's a fantastic artist, and they sell really well. Like mm-hmm. I love the intersection of like art and commerce, but you know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah, I appreciate art, but I also like the part that you sell it for a lot of money. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he does that pretty well. It's great. I think he has his uh, dark Phoenix one coming up too, like in a couple days, but nice. yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's awesome. Um, Ryan, other Luke. than the episode that came out today, uh, Ahsoka, are you caught up? I am caught up. I am also caught up. What are your thoughts? For some reason, my fl- flight or f- fight just <laughs> kicked in and I don't remember anything about it. I don't know why that just happened. What was, happened in this episode? Uh, it, it was like the most lightsaber battle episode so far. Right? Unless you're Ezra, then you don't like yes. the fight at all. Oh, so my favorite weird tidbit detail when he's like stops the blade the blades like curving around, like it's kind of like weirdly formed, like where he's pushing against it. I thought that was so cool. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I liked the, the Ezra fighting the force is my ally. I, that was, that was, that was cool. I liked that. Um, I like that Ahsoka like showed some happiness in in seeing him and she smiled because she's been so like not, not, unreasonable unreasonably she's just been so yeah so stoic and going through a, a a lot of um those kind of like the the dark the the deeper darker kind of emotions mm. in this story arc so it was really cool to see her smile like 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 a, a moment of joy for her right was, was cool right i i i saw a meme that was like um star wars character when a property is returned to them and it was Luke throwing the lightsaber over his shoulder and it was Ezra saying, no, I don't want that lightsaber. And I was like, yeah, but I want a lightsaber. So (laughs) they should want a lightsaber. I am very interested in what, in what, um, the the Balin is, is, as after, I don't, I don't know what his plan is and I really want to. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Cause he, he's, he's probably one of my favorite, like, of the of the new characters mm-hmm. in the show, I mean, there's not a lot of new characters in the show, but I I think he's very interesting. I think it's because you don't really know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I I I really enjoy his character. Um, and also, uh, what was what did he say to her about like um, it was like fights and victory, like every fight you're like. Uh, like you're trying to win, you're destined to lose or something like that. 
um, right before he's like, all right, now go fight them by yourselves. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Me and my dog horse thing are going to. I something else. And, 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 and the, uh, uh, Sabine's good boy. I love that little mm. wolf creature thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a good show. It was nice mm. to see the reuniting a little mm. bit. Also, uh, the Hera trial was great. <laughs> um, you don't need to see my identification. <laughs> <laughs> Day of sexy little... three PM. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was great. And also I saw uh, another meme that was when Chopper was yelling and the captain was telling him to calm down. It was like, if someone told me this screenshot was from Chopper's war crime trial, I would believe it. (laughs) 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 But yeah, no, I'm interested to see what the last episode holds. Um, I really like the Thrawn portrayal. It's it's exactly it's Thrawn. It's still the same Thrawn as mm-hmm. as before. And one cool thing that I saw is the um the actress that's playing the head night sister of the the three that are uh the greatest great mother. Yes, yes. <laughs> um it's uh Claudia Black from Farscape is playing the Oh playing the that, that lady, and I was like, awesome. I love it when Farscape actors get more work. I love it. The Muppets, uh, very they need they need work the most, and they mm. just can't get it because the mu- roles for Muppets these days they're just yeah not I there. know I know it's it's just drying up damn <laughs> CGI, uh, and you know their foam rubber starting to crack it's rough mm-hmm. I mean yeah. I'm yeah, getting older Bo- too I can empathize where where's Botox for the Henson Muppets, um, <laughs> we uh, also had the red brand trailer for the toxic Avenger pop out. And uh, Chris, you just watched it before we started recording. I want to get your fresh thoughts on this, man. This is another one. I feel like uh toxic Avenger and like swamping sort of like fill the same space in like the media zeitgeist because mm-hmm. they've both had like cheap movies that came out. They both had kids cartoons. They're both, they were both never really, big media things like fans of them like them, but they never really hit mainstream. Mm -hmm. And so I, I am excited to see this version of it to see if, if that property was just too early, you know what I mean? If Mm -hmm. it was like, uh, what, 30 years too early when it, when it came Mm -hmm. out. Cause I remember, Oh my gosh. So yeah, this is like super old sentence. When I was really young, there was a channel on cable that you could watch that was just trailers of things that were on other cable channels, but mm-hmm. they would just play in a loop. Like it was just trailer, 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 you know, it's kind of like the ones you see on YouTube now where it's just all the trailers for little be like right, horror right, movies, right. 2023, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was when like the, like the second toxic Avenger was, was, out like on HBO or something. And so I watched the trailer for that over and over and over again. And so I'm a fan. I want to see him get his, get his, uh, get his chance in the spotlight. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Start seeing like some, some more cosplays. You see dedicated cosplays, but not many. It'd be great Mm -hmm. to see him make it more into, more into the mainstream. Um, As far as the trailer itself goes, I'm down uh, it still looks like it's edited on like a, a video toaster from the 1990s. 
So yeah, I and this is where like trauma is where James Gunn got his start. And uh so if you liked his if you like his movies, uh The Guardians of the Galaxy, Slither, uh you will probably like this stuff because it's where it came from. And what uh you said something kinda along those lines, didn't you, Andrew? Oh yeah, uh I don't uh I remember watching the cartoon extensively as a kid, but I didn't uh uh, I'd only ever seen the movie on TV, so I didn't realize how uh, bad it was uh, <laughs> until I saw it unedited for television. And uh, I don't know. The cast seems great on this one. Yeah, it's certainly right up my alley. I like my uh, uh, B movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely lean into the gore of B-movies, that's for sure. Some of the thing, and you brought up that point there, something I've been thinking about today I w- uh, was that in the age of like streaming medium, right? It feels mm-hmm. like everything that's coming out is PG. You know, like there's, it feels like, because there's, we don't have like the regulatory environment in uh, in streaming that we had even in cable, right? Right, and it still feels like everything that's coming out on streaming, even on uh, Shutter, which is like the horror movie streaming service, every they will show movies that are like that pushed the envelope for the for its time, but anything it makes that's new seems like it's it it's a PG maybe a PG thirteen. Mm-hmm. Um, if it, if there's anything any that's like shocking, it comes from japan or korea or a24 norway right. or yeah, something yeah. like that um from where a24, a24. Uh, and even there that's that's more good. artful yeah it's good it's good horror but it isn't I, I don't feel like there's anybody that's pushing that's pushing the medium to say like what could we get away with here well um, right. haven't they already gotten away with everything <laughs> you know what i mean like what <laughs> what's Chris, what envelopes are left to be pushed? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean the the like you guys were saying the the, the gratuitous gore, um, those are all coming out. Those are all like a, a and I mean as a horror movie fan, uh, I don't think the lines for for uh, uh, muggles is this and people who don't watch horror movies. Uh, maybe you watch something like uh, um, what was the. Uh, I peel uh, Jordan. His oh, uh, those get are, out. Get out. Which is an amazing mm-hmm. movie. Probably too gory for most people. Not all that gory of a movie for horror fans, right? right. And so that's that is. I I don't think that there's uh, that there's somebody that. Uh, like I said, if you if for horror fans, you go to movies from uh, and even those like Japan is like even toned him down a bit from the mid 2000s mm-hmm. uh the crazy stuff that was uh right, coming right. out of there that was uh really scary and stuff so i'm just one i'm waiting for the next like maybe this will be the next thing where uh if it makes a bunch of money people will start saying like oh we can make b uh gore fests again and and uh um make some money at it because that's always the bottom line right It'd be like 1975 all over again yeah putting people on meat hooks yes <laughs> um I liked the the images that had come out uh before the trailer came out with Elijah Wood and Peter Dinklage and I was hooked 
after those. Like again, Elijah Wood looks like uh, Danny DeVito from Batman Returns and Peter Dinklage in a mask and a tutu with a suit jacket. Also, Kevin Bacon, I believe, is in this movie too. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all in. It looks, it looks exactly like I would expect a Toxic Avenger property to look. Uh, what about you, Ryan? I, I like Andrew. I only saw the movie on TV. I don't remember watching the cartoon at all, but I remember really liking the move, the TV version of the movie as a kid. Um, and, but I don't have, that's the only memory that I have. So I don't have a lot of like nostalgia generating from it. And I don't, but I'm, I, I'm excited to watch it. I, those, those kind of movies, the gratuitous gore is fine <laughs> for me. Mm-hmm. It's not like, rather not see it but i'll probably i'll probably watch this one um but yeah the the uh, i was surprised that the the photos that you we you talked about of elijah mm. wood and peter dinklage they're not in the trailer at all <laughs> so i was right, like right. watch the trailer and i'm like well this wasn't what i wanted <laughs> i wanted but, creepy elijah wood yeah. <laughs> um i also was like oh that's the best uh, uh, Rocky Horror Riff Raff cosplay I've ever seen when I saw the election. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, yeah, and the next uh, bit of news that I had is uh, it got some some DC James Gunn back to back news. Um, <laughs> so the first thing uh, actually is he confirms the current list of the DC characters who are not being recast. So vid- vigilante. Uh, Blue Beetle, Viola Davis as Amanda Waller, John Cena as Peacemaker, David Cornsweet is the new Superman, and Rachel Brochan, Brosnan, I think that's it. Uh, she's playing Lois Lane. She was from Marvelous Maisie. Uh, those those are the ones that are for sure in the new DC continuity which he did also address uh, someone on threads said, asked, uh, will season two of peacemaker take place in the new DCU slash new continuity, or will it at least be addressed? He replied yes. And yes. So gun and Peter Safran became co-CEOs of DC studios in 2022. And they've basically wiped out a lot of the stuff that was done before with a few exceptions so they're starting out the DCU chapter one, Gods and Monsters, and that's going to kick off soon. Uh, we have Superman Legacy is going to be the first DCU movie in 2025, but uh, animated Max series Creature Commandos is set to release in 2024. And then, yes, there's the Blue Beetle that came out, which I guess is technically the first, technically, I guess the first, but not under their stewardship. Because you they're know, already getting flack about it, where they were like, "What are right. you doing?" This is, and it's like you didn't even have anything to do with this movie. What are you talking about? Right, and yeah. So again, being extra extra clear with what they have going on, uh, DC Comics. Uh, what do you guys think about this? I want to have hope, and I don't. Like I just, I want it to be good, and they're already just being all. I don't know the right word. Words are hard today. James <laughs> Gunn came out and said the Flash <laughs> was really good, so he has to earn that trust back. Right, right. <laughs> uh, 
Oh man. But I, not- I haven't seen Blue Beetle and I really want to. <laughs> and I haven't I'm made waiting, time for it. I'm waiting for it to come on Max so I can watch mm. it because it's out you can buy it now. Oh you on, can? Like, on Prime, but I'm mm. like, okay, why isn't it on Max though? Because isn't that your whole thing? Yeah, they've been writing everything wait. out. I've been seeing about a lot of like Max originals popping up on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, it's weird. Stuff's just starting to trickle out. Uh, I guess James, I don't know if this was a recent interview or not. I saw something recently where they were asking him like what happened to superhero movies um, recently. And uh, he was like, well, they've gotten complacent. They, they're not showing people interesting things anymore with the with the characters they're not doing uh they just said well it's just a just a superhero they've sidelined all of the uh main characters and uh, and trudging up other ones which worked uh handed him the gardens of the galaxy suddenly they're a household name hand him the Mm -hmm. um hand him the uh suicide squad they're they're not necessarily a household name but it was a really good movie Mm -hmm. um uh, so if there's anybody, if they give him the time and he keeps up the effort into it, uh, we could see, I think we could see some cool movies. Uh, but I feel like there's, and I think I've said this before, I think there's too much office politics at Discovery Warner Brothers where he won't be allowed to, because like I said, he's already getting blamed for uh, Blue Beetle not doing well, and he's not even he had nothing to do with it other than his he got hired like the week before that came out or whatever, mm-hmm. right? And so if uh, if that's already a mark against him that people are uh, uh, at the higher ups are already going to use and be like, well, he's already got one strike against him, you know what I mean? Um, then I don't think he's going to get the space and because he makes really good movies, but they're always weird and offbeat. And so is he going to be able to like channel that into something of a like a a better Superman movie than the ones that we've got where it is more centered and uh, um, emblematic of the character uh, than the the last few were? And Mm -hmm. we'll see. You know what I mean? Like eh. like like Ryan said, like I, I am the that that person who has been abused or not abused is I do not want to make it those sort of relationships, uh, make light of that at all, but in a weird, very distant way, all of these companies keep telling me that the next one's going to be really great. And sometimes a lot of times it's not. So like you said, the trust is not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be a thing that happens. Um, and I, again, the hopefully, hopefully optimistic, I think is probably the best way I would describe it for me is like, I really want it to be good because like eventually something's got to stick, right? It's just, it's been so long that it's just, they're just throwing stuff at the wall at this point. And I don't, I don't understand that when you have Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman in your arsenal how you can't make them stick. It just, those are probably three of the five most recognizable superheroes in the world. You don't even need to speak English to know what, to know who Batman is, to see the Batman signal and and know it. But we get, we get what we get, you know? Uh, 
yeah, it's it's it is what it is. Um, yeah. Uh, but I did have uh, news on a uh, indie book that I that I saw and read the little uh, synopsis on, and I was like, that sounds like fun, and I really want to uh, read it. Uh, so it's a crime comic called Dear Editor, and uh, deer is like the animal deer, and it's about a, an investigative journalist with antlers, and uh, the cover is a very photorealistic deer on a deer head on a suit. And uh, it comes from writer Ryan K. Lindsay. The artist is Sammy Kavila uh, with colors by Lauren Affey and letters by Jim Campbell. It was originally released digitally in black and white, but it's now colorized and getting a print edition through Mad Cave Studios. Uh, the, the little synopsis goes, uh, a John Doe, uh, slaying lures a journalist into a world of political intrigue and Wi-Fi enabled, uh, sorry, political intrigue, a Wi-Fi enabled grotto and a station locker full of secrets for Bucky an editor of the crime beat, the truth it's all in a day's work, but he also happens to be a deer. Will he chase down his last story in this antler noir series? Uh, that had me because I, I love, I love ridiculousness and noir. Uh, and I didn't, I, I might just buy this for everybody and just be like, all right, we're, we're reading this. You have no choice. <laughs> oh, dear. Yep. 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 Mm-hmm. Sorry, he's just waiting for an opening. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> that, that low-hanging fruit, he's ready there. Just uh, snag it up. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do, you guys, what do you guys think about that? How do you think that sounds? Yeah, I'm down. That sounds great. Yeah, it sounds like fun. Yeah, let's give it a shot. For you, Luke, I will read it. Excellent. But for Excellent. no other reason. Self-edification. Because <laughs> it's a cool... No. Just for you, buddy. You suggested wonder, an I, anthro comic? I'm damn. <laughs> I wonder if we can uh, get a, a blank variant cover so Chris can draw a, a deer, but as the phoenix. And then yeah. that will be the one for you. Like, there you go. Here's your anthropomorphic deer phoenix. <laughs> Which I feel like is also a great tattoo idea. Just throwing it out there for anyone that's <laughs> looking for that next piece. Dear Phoenix. Um, all right. Uh, I had asked you guys earlier this week uh, about some of your, what your most influential uh, hero or villains, sorry, not heroes. It's, it's Halloween. Words are hard for me today too, Ryan. It's okay. It's not just you. Um, <laughs> But, you know, it's October. We got Halloween uh, coming up at the end of the month. I thought we could talk about some bad guys and what some of the biggest, uh, the villains that have had the biggest influence on the superhero genre. And, uh, Andrew, do you, do you want to go first? Sure. I could go first. <clears throat> so I chose, uh, the ultra human knight who first appeared in action comics 13 in 1939. He's the first mad scientist that Superman faces as a villain. He's a bald white guy. Um, yes. And he's, uh, uh, well, uh, Luther, who appears much later. Well, uh, I believe it's in action like 23. Um, he's not bald. He has uh, mm. like a uh, like a red 
bowl cut uh, in most in his early Golden Age appearances. But the ultra humanite draws his inspiration from the mad scientist trope, which we can take all the way back to the early 1800s with Victor Frankenstein. And then later with Dr. Moreau and Fu Manchu, who would uh, uh, be one of the first, uh, what do you call it, pulp novel characters to transition over to comic books. Mm. And so uh, the ultra humanite uh, was a mad scientist that uh, and a gangster that became hyper intelligent due to uh, experimenting on himself with uh, chemicals. Uh, A scientific experiment resulting in him possessing the most agile and learned brain on earth. (laughs) An agile brain. That's that's a way to describe it. And so he fakes his death and then transfers his brain into the body of uh, another, uh, another man so that he could pretend to be him to be uh, to take over uh, the rackets in the in Metropolis, and then he fakes his death again, kidnaps actress uh, Dolores Winters, and transfers his brain into her body. Uh, and this is in Action Comics number twenty from January nineteen forty, also making him possibly one of the first trans characters. Um, so. Uh, Ultra Humanite would lay, uh, would uh, kind of be dormant for many, many years, but served as a prototype for uh, mad scientists like uh, Lex Luthor, who would appear just a few issues after the death of, uh, or the the departure of the Ultra Humanite in Action Twenty. Um, but there is there is a history of brain switching and consciousness transferring villains, even with Doctor Doom. Uh, famously got taught that ability by the Regalians. And so, uh, yeah, he takes a long break and then he shows up again in Earth 2 stories from the early 80s in Superman Family. And then he returns to menace the Justice League in his very familiar to those of us that watched the Justice League cartoon, uh, his white ape body uh, in 1982. 81 in justice league 195 through 197. So that, uh, that's another team up with the earth two characters. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think the ultra humanite is a good representation of the mad scientist trope in comics and certainly would go on to influence, uh, characters that came after him, uh, whether, uh, we realized it or not, mm-hmm. uh, since he's kind of, uh, become more of a forgotten golden age character. All right, Chris, do you want to go next or do you want Ryan to go? Ryan, go ahead. Okay. So, <clears throat> the uh, bot in no particular order, but maybe in a maybe in an order. So the the last one on my list I have is 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 Magneto. I'm a bit biased here. Um but I I uh I love the the villain turn hero turn villain um i like i like a good fallen hero story and i like a good uh, redeemed villain story and i think that magneto is i think a lot of pulp pop culture influence um i the the whole the the 
Holocaust part of his backstory, I think has been really influential um, being a survivor of the Holocaust and having this um, really sympathetic uh, uh, villain that was kind of like maniacal bad guy villain. And then kind of as, as they developed his character more, um, a really kind of sympathetic, like the, the, the classic Magneto was right kind of shirts, uh, phrases and stuff like that. that they, they came out with, um, I, I think that's a really compelling and a, a really interesting storyline that people tend to latch onto. Right. Right. Yeah. The, the Magneto had some valid points. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and, and that was one where I think of, and I, there's probably uh, examples of it before, but one of those ones where you you understand why the villain is the way the villain is mm-hmm. because of the trauma that he went through as, in his childhood. And it would obviously make him a little more militant than someone that didn't experience that. And so that for me was Magneto's on my list as well. And that's one of the big, the big points that I had on there is it's just seeing it from the villain's perspective and not just, you know, uh, someone made me had a bad day once. No, he went through a mm. severely traumatic experience. Several. So you get it. Traumatic. Yeah. And so, yeah. So you under you understand mm. like, Oh no, that if that happened to me, I might be doing the same thing. So. So Magneto didn't start as a sympathetic character, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it wasn't until the I want to say the early '80s in the Claremont run mm-hmm. that they made him uh, a Holocaust survivor and mm-hmm. sympathetic at all, and anything yeah, more than right. a magnetic Doctor Doom. He very much started out as the the classic twirling your mustache villain for villain reasons. Yeah. I'd like to yeah. point out Pride of the X Men as an example. Yeah. <laughs> very very Mar- good pilot episode with Australian Wolverine. Yes, a near miss. <laughs> um, back when Marvel didn't understand how magnets work, magnets the, do everything. Yeah, the the, the fantastic powers of magnetism in the in the Golden Age X Men was <laughs> just amazing. Who was next on your list? On my list, next I have Doctor Doom. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Marvel's first family, uh, the, 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 the antagonist for that, I, I, um, and, and just again, like, like Andrew, you said the, the, the mad scientist, the master of, uh, sorcery and, and science, um, a lot of, a lot of things to play off in there. A lot of compelling, um, influential, um, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, reasons for that. And again, an, another one that, that's. I think started off as more of the mustachio twirl thing and then became more sympathetic and more compelling as you, mm. as you learn more about them. When did they first came out, come out with like the stuff about his mom, Andrew? Oh, the, uh, his origin of being a, like a persecuted minority in that uh-huh. area. Um, I want to say, yeah, he's Romani. Uh, I want to say that was a Kirby issue, but I, I have the most distinct memories of the John Byrne tellings mm-hmm. of his origin. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was uh, Kirby was still on the book. So, yeah, he, yeah, he was, he was on my list too, because, you know, not many villains can, outthink Reed Richards, even if, even for a little bit. And again, going with that mad scientist, 
thing. He he's one that continuously does it. I did. I and I also liked the. I can't remember what run it was, but the since he is the ruler of a nation, he has diplomatic immunity. So it's like, okay, what are you gonna do? You can't do anything. I got diplomatic immunity. You can't prove I did anything. And I mean, also, he's just a badass. I and correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't he steal the Beyonder's power twice? Like in the original Secret War and then in the new Secret War. Yes. Yeah. And when he, I think he punched Thanos through the chest after that, and like ripped his spine out or something in the new in the newer. Secret oh, in Wars. the Hickman Secret War. Yeah, he like yeah. Just yeah. disintegrates yeah. him into his hand. Right. The God right. Emperor Doom. Yep. And every every iteration of Doom, like uh, in that uh, the audio series, the Wastelanders that they did, where Doom is running like you know what's left of it's very old man logan-y uh but yeah just doom still being there and still being in charge and he always finds a way to be in charge of something yeah he, so doom was on my list too i love one of his like his biggest weaknesses is, is he's just so arrogant and that always like bites him in the ass eventually i just i love that trait yeah. <laughs> going back to the burn run where he picks up Kristoff and threatens him for suggesting that Magneto was almost as powerful as him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Eight year old kid by the uh, collar. Yeah. (laughs) Let me keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the next one I have, this is where our list could diverge. Um, For me, I put on a doomsday because I remember um, like the death of Superman event uh, being like this, being like a really interesting cultural phenomenon. It was one of the first times that I remember where um, normal people were, were talking about something like that <laughs> and, and when I was younger. So that was for me. And I think for like the, the comics thing edging out into, into more mainstream kind of stuff at the, at the in that moment in time. Was like that that because that death of Superman. I remember even they like reported on it on the news that this was such mm-hmm. a big thing, um, and it was just fascinating to me that that stuff that I liked was being talked about by in the, in those areas that I'd never seen it before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember. I remember seeing like news reports of ladies saying that they're buying it to put their kids through college because they thought that. Oh yeah, that the prospecting side of things. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's how that works. <laughs> yeah, Doomsday's a good one. He's not he's not on my list, but that's that that is a good one. He is definitely in my honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. So who's, who's on your list in this spot? Uh I have the Green Goblin in this one because he is if I was trying to think about it, I was like, who is the closest to say the Joker in Marvel? just by the way he's constantly torturing his superhero nonstop forever. (laughs) And green goblin was what popped into my head Mm. because I mean, when you are the cause of one of the only comic book characters to not be brought back to life and standard continuity, you're going to be up there uh, with the Gwen Stacy Mm. and just the the fact that he attacks Spider-Man both as Spider-Man and as Peter Parker, which was a new uh, I, I it again. Correct me if I'm wrong, but this is one that when I first 
realized, I was like, oh, they can do that. They, uh, the villain can go after just them in their normal clothes too. Okay, cool. Now, now they're not safe anywhere. Mm. Uh, but yeah. And I, I mean, he's green goblins been around for, you know, so long for such a reason. And it's also the kind of Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde thing. Uh, what between Norman and, and the green goblin. Uh, I just read the, uh, some of the, the newest issues of, uh, amazing Spider-Man and Norman has been cured of being the goblin. So he's just a I, dick. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's actually, it's actually kind of the take that they have on Dr. Octavius where when he's not crazy, he's actually kind of a good guy. Like he's a, he's a, he's somewhat of a scientist. Um, but somewhat of a scientist. <laughs> there's like a Craven, of course, gets a spear that if he stabs someone at, brings the goblin back out because why not? Um, it's, it's, it's ridiculous, but uh, Peter gets stabbed instead to save Norman Osborn. So it's kind of reverse Craven's last hunt where now evil Peter is chasing after Craven and trying to bury him alive because not he's all about spirit. vengeance now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he pulls out the black suit from the back of a closet because of course it's still, in his closet somewhere, but yeah, but anyway, uh, the, just the, the, the difference between Norman and the green goblin, uh, has always been interesting to me. So that's why, that's why he's on my list. Very good. And then the next one I got is, is Lex Luthor. Like, uh, Andrew talked about too, the, the, I don't know. My brain is just having a problem. What was the villain's name, Andrew? The ultra human. <laughs> ultra human. Yes. Um, and I mean the 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 mastermind, the 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 billionaire villain. Maybe he's the anti Batman. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. Um, anti Batman would have to be poor. Like if he's, oh, that's true. If he's backwards, <laughs> he'd have to have no money. Mm-hmm. The um, wall is the anti-Batman. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the, super popular, super uh, influential. I mean, he's one of the probably the most, like we talked about the Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman being the most recognizable super he- superheroes in the world. I think Les- Lex Luthor's up there being one of the most recognizable supervillains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I had him on on my list as well. And the one thing about Lex that I always liked is his motivations. I think like, again, I, the way that I read it is he doesn't like Superman because he wants to be Superman. He wants to be that person. And so Mm -hmm. he's almost entirely driven by jealousy. Yes. He was, he was the most popular man in Metropolis. He was the guy that was going to save everyone. Mm -hmm. And then Superman showed up (laughs) and now, no matter how good he is, no matter how hard he tries, he can never compete with the spit curled demigod, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and so he has the cho- he can save the earth himself and chooses every day not to. Mm-hmm. Lex Luthor is a dick. <laughs> my, see, the thing is, my introduction to that character was the old uh, uh, Super Friends cartoon. And oh, in that wow. one, he was mad at Superman because it was Superman's fault that all his hair fell out. Yes, that was the, <laughs> that was the early Silver Age reason. 
Yeah, it was like uh, from 1958. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that I think much more plausible. You know, like it's mm. he's just like <laughs> I had beautiful hair, and and he's got the money. He could he could take care of it. It's not something, and he looks just fine. So I don't know why he's so mad. So, so that's so why they don't use it as the plot point anymore. Right. So, so you're saying it's not um, the evil real estate baron version of yeah. Lex Luthor? Yeah. No, it's the one he's mad about his hair. He's <laughs> like, and and it's the red hair bowl cut where he looks like Guy, Card- mm. Guy Gardner. That's what he's mad about. That's what you're mad about? Listen, he did you a favor, sir. Yeah. He did you a favor. You shouldn't be mad about that. And then talking <laughs> about Green Goblin, my introduction to him was Spider-Man and the, the Amazing Friends when he wanted to poison New York's water supply and turn everyone into goblins. Because mm. that's a like- whack out show like, go, if you got your disney plus uh subscription go watch some episodes of that it's it's insane the x-men episode is crazy yes <laughs> the one where they fight magneto is nuts the, the there's so many crazy episodes where they were just like whatever this is for five-year-olds we don't yeah, care thunderbird turns into a bear it's crazy <laughs> He should turn into a bird. Come on. <laughs> it's literally in his name. Yeah. You had one more, Ryan? The, num- the number one on my list is is the Joker. I think the the most recognizable villain, super villain, um, for sure. I can just so much, so much culture, um, a pop culture is, is uh, uh, surrounding the, the Joker. And yeah. Hmm. Yeah, see I think uh, Joker's the the top on my list too because he's just uh, he's terrifying not only because he's a clown but um because he is like almost like that embodiment of of random just mm-hmm. random violence Chaos. and I always yeah, I always go back to this uh Denny O'Neill quote uh where he said that if you wake up and the Joker's in your room, he's just as likely to give you a new car as he is to kill you. Mm-hmm. He said, the scary thing is you don't know what it'll be and neither does he. Yeah. The car will explode though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so that's why Joker's at, at the mm-hmm. top of my, at the top of my list. Cause he is just an agent of chaos. Mm-hmm. When you're, when, when you're explaining D and D alignments to, to somebody new, um, Joker is the perfect chaotic evil, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, way of exploit the uh, way to explain that, that mm-hmm. alignment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right Chris. Well, he's so influential also because he's like how many other villains do they describe as he's like the joker mm-hmm. but with flight but, or yeah. something like that like carnage right. is literally uh symbiote we joker. thought uh, yeah if, we, if the joker had the had the symbiote and uh yeah not my favorite For, yeah carnage <laughs> is nowhere on my list he's the <laughs> Opposite of like a, a cool influential villain. So uh, Gypsy Moth is on your list. Gypsy Moth, yeah. You know the Spider Woman villain, Skein. Yeah. I think she goes by now. Yes, I have. She has I, telekinesis over fiber. Yes. Like, yeah. yeah. If it made, yeah, it would work. Yeah, kite like man. cloth fiber, like y- yes, yeah. or hair, kind of. like yeah. best genus. Yes, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, like that. <laughs> uh, I took a little. I, I, uh, we all had a lot of the same people on our lists, right? So, but I, I so I tried to do a couple of them here that took a different tack mm-hmm. on influence, right? And so, not strictly 
a comic book character, but someone who has a huge influence over all media. And so they, they have an influence over comics, which is Dracula and the mythos of vampires in Western vampires anyway, mm-hmm. um, because they're, they're everywhere in uh, comic book history. Right. So you've got like blade, the half vampire, you've got actual Dracula from tomb of mm-hmm. Dracula, uh, Morbius, the living vampire. Who's like, He's so close to a vampire that the way they describe mm. him is as a vampire, but with an asterisk, right? Right, right. Uh, Vampirella. Don't forget, don't oh, forget yeah, Jubilee, Jubilee sometimes vampire. Jubilee sometimes vampire. <laughs> uh, all, almost all of the X-Men at some point sometimes a vampire, right? Depending <laughs> yes. on... Bloodstorm, yeah. Uh, Bloodstorm. And what ifs and stuff, right? Mm. Uh, um, uh, Batman sometimes vampire. Yeah. Um, I vampire from the, uh, was it House of mm. Secrets? Yep, I vampire. Um, Vampirella. Isn't, Cel- isn't Celine technically a vampire too? She's a or like a, a vampire. Like an yeah, she's yeah. like a succubus. Yeah, right. Um, there was a couple that I saw in here that oh, so Vampirella has a very long history. Well, she's an alien though. Yes, but it's a it's still a vampire, right? Yeah. Like it's a it has that component of of vampirism. If you looked at a cover, you'd never know. You know what I mean? Like, in like fact, most people don't. Right. Yeah. Um, the uh, um, yeah. There's a there's the American Vampire series. Uh, so Aaron that, Blood. Yes. Yeah. Every oh, who's the who's the robot that's the vampire brain in a robot body? Doctor Sun. Doctor Sun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. From the uh, the quizzical looks from the panelists here. Yeah. <laughs> We've uh, Andrew introduced me to this character, and now I'm kind of obsessed with him. Yeah, in Nova, he ends up with a robot body where it's like a brain in a jar. Carmine Infantino designed it. It's terrific. I love it. That's amazing. It's a very 80s robot where it's like a, yeah, it's a jar, but the rest of his body is like gold and hydraulics. It's great. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's what I was going to say is Dracula and vampires because they're everywhere. Um, mm. The second one I was going to say is uh, as influential as Black Adam. The from 1945 uh, from the Captain Marvel comics uh, because he is a reverse version of the superhero. And so everyone gets a eventually Andrew always says that it's uh, 20 years uh, and you will eventually get a, a reverse version of your character. So Superman has Bizarro, right? Which was originally a Superboy villain. That's Andrew. correct. So but he's widely regarded as like the opposite Superman, right? Uh, Reverse Flash, who had a Golden Age version. Um, and uh, But actually, did he was he called Reverse Flash in the Golden Age? I think so. And he okay. ran backwards. And he ran, yeah. Yeah, he and could so, run as fa- almost as fast as the Flash, but backwards. Right. Yeah. So uh, Reverse Flash, Professor Zoom, right? Reverse version. Well, the uh, Professor th- Zoom is from the 60s. Yeah. Is it? Okay. Yeah. So Reverse versions of the character, right? Um, and then, uh, the whole, uh, uh, their name just left me Ultraman and Owlman, the crime syndicate, the crime syndicate. So like the opposite versions of the, of the justice league, um, you had, uh, Venom who was essentially a, a reverse Spider-Man and that took a long time to get to him. And actually there is a reverse Spider-Man that suddenly became popular 
that makes his first appearance in Spidey Super Stories, which was a comic book that came out. There was a kid's show called The Electric Company. It oh, is a... Yes, right. It is a uh, yeah, it's uh, Bill Cosby worked on that one to like finish his PhD, and it was like some of Morgan Freeman's first uh, first television work. He was he played a wow. character called Easy Reader, and he'd show you books that were easy to read. Um, but yeah, the Electric Company Marvel partnered with the Electric Company to put out, and they said you could use Spider Man in your educational television show. This was when they were starting with educational television. They were like, we should put stuff on. TV that helps kids learn, right? Yeah, <laughs> crazy concept. And uh, so they they were allowed to use Spider Man for free on the TV show. Like they didn't have to pay any license to Marvel. And Marvel put out a, a a children's comic book where each panel only had like the characters saying three or four words. The stories were real easy to follow. Um, it's the first appearance of the Thanos copter. If you see it, that there's that episode of Loki where the Thanos uh-huh. copters like crashed. That's it's from Spidey Super Stories. Uh, there was an issue of that one where Spider-Man fights Webman, and it is a literal reverse of his character in that like all of the red uh, holy palette swap, Batman. Right? Yeah, it's just his his red parts are blue and his blue parts are red, and double that, dragoned that shit. Yep, <laughs> and that character flew under the radar for 60, 50 years or whatever or since the 70s yeah so it got popular about five years ago people were like oh my god there's a spider-man that the uh first appearance that we don't know about and so that book all the other books besides the thanos copter one in that are quarter books right they show up in the quarter bins for things that one is a hundred dollars now on on ebay <laughs> And uh, yeah, right when I figured out, I think that they released an action figure of him in the Marvel uh, um, Legends line. And then suddenly people were like, uh, uh, went apeshit for him. And so they they found him. So what you need to do is a a Spider-Man sketch cover, but it's Webman. Yes. And then sell it. Yes. For $100, and then I could yes. go buy a first appearance of, yep, of yep. Webman. I did get, Andrew pointed him out when I, when we were at the nerd store, uh, they did make a pop of him that I have on my shelf. And so that's my placeholder until I get a, an actual copy of that book. But yeah, reverse characters. Any others that you can think of? Hmm. We were talking about it beforehand, like who's the reverse of Batman? I think uh, yeah. go- because he's actually a hero and he eats garbage and lives in the park. The gull? <laughs> yeah, the gull. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. The one I, the one I threw out there was Catwoman because all right, so reverse cat what cat let's bat cat. Yeah, okay. And a man, uh woman, all right, and she's poor. Um Yeah. <laughs> that's that yeah. Yeah. I can see that one. It's it's man bat. Man, bat, yeah, just literal, like, yeah. <laughs> you are a bat who is man, I am bat, man who is bat. So would that make Hawkman's negative version, the man hawks? Yes. Those guys mm-hmm. with the, wear the hoods that have the human faces that shoot the lasers mm-hmm. out of the eyes? Yeah. It always makes me think of, like, the reverse versions of the Star Trek characters, like Mirror Oh, the Mirror, mirror Universe, mirror universe yeah. Yeah. Uh, Everybody's um, just got a goatee. Yes. <laughs> I uh, I had a couple, uh, I had two honorable mentions. They didn't make my my five. Uh, I put Thanos slash Darkseid because they're kind of the same dude. They're different, but they're kind of the same guy just in the universe. Uh, and then Loki. 
because yeah. Loki is, you know, he's Loki, but it's like he was based on Norse mythology from like way, way back in the day, loosely. So I didn't see where that would, would fit on my list, but yeah, he's, he's up there too. I like how Marvel has made their own mythology. And I think in at least like uh, uh, most American minds, I think the Marvel comics mythology probably is more prolific than the original Norse mythology of of all of of Norse stuff. Thor has red hair guys in the mythology. (laughs) He is not, he's not a blonde hair, blue eye guy, but that's not what, when you say Thor, that's not what people think of. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Marvel has overwritten the Norse mythology. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, Disney loves you when you do that with public domain characters and stuff. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I had some books that I wanted to talk about. Books? Some books. Uh, So I read, speaking of Thor, I read the first two issues of Immortal Thor. Uh, it's written by Al Ewing, art by Martin Coloco, uh, colors by Matthew Wilson, and the letters are by Joe Sabino. So the coolest thing about this is that everything, everyone in the comic is back in the old 60s style Thor. Like he's got the hat with the wings on it, and he's got the it, it's he's just got the the cape and he's got like the little saucers on his on his chest uh it's it's updated a little bit like his belt actually looks like a belt not just a piece of cloth wrapped around him but this is kind of taking over from the uh oh my goodness i am forgetting his name jason aaron's run on thor that he's been doing for a long time now and so odin has died uh, in a couple previous series. So Thor is the all father now. And so basically he's, he's, he's very, very powerful. So he's got all his power plus the, the all power the Odin's power. And so the first issue kind of goes through and the, he fights some frost giants as is tradition. And uh, the rainbow bridge had been broken and Loki uses some kind of magic that they're very aloof with how he got this magic, but he repairs it. Uh, It's, it's awesome. And uh, Thor uses that to come back to earth to that's, that's where he goes to like chill out. It's where he needs to go to just, you know, take a breath and, you know, he plays chess in a park with an old man and uh, he signs Captain America shields and he thinks it's funny that he's signing Captain America shields. And uh, someone comes and tells him that, you know, there's uh, a mutant being picked on by a bunch of these uh, Orcus guys. And could you imagine being an Orcus foot soldier and you're in <laughs> there just picking up a 13 year old kid and fucking Thor kicks the goddamn wall in we just give up <laughs> what are you saying orca like the no orcus atlantean <laughs> villain yeah <laughs> yeah orcus 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 as uh, in the orcus. god of death from dungeons and dragons the sure. demon god of death yes yes okay yes that one that one but also orcus. the the or- organization trying to take down the mutants um 
but yeah, so I, 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 that cracked me up. These guys are like, ah, shut up kid. And then Thor kicks the damn wall in and they're like, oh, okay. I give up. What are we going to do? We've got stun batons and you're a God. Uh, but then you've get, you get this really cool battle in New York with, uh, kind of speaking of, of mirror universe. Uh, they have this, uh, this Utgard, which is almost like a mirror universe Asgard. And he fights this giant named, uh, Taranos, who is the God of lightning from Utgard. So Thor's reverse kinda, hmm. uh, but also a giant. And he, he uses, he has to use the all power to defeat him. And we always joke about Odin sleep all the time. Um, <laughs> <Odin's> like, <laughs> yeah. um, but they show that as he uses the all power, he gets closer and closer and closer to having to take the Thor sleep so he can recharge his power, which is, which is different. Are they not calling it the Odin force anymore? Uh, he, in this, they're calling it the all force. Hmm. Um, but it's it's really cool. And my favorite thing is when he uses the the all force, the way that they color and the way that they draw him is instead of like when he does the lightning, usually the light is coming uh, down on top of him like a light source would. But when he's using the all force, the light is coming from up under him. So like the under parts of him are lit up by the lightning. Nice. And it's. It's a it's it's so cool, and I I have the you like the you like Ross. eliminated underparts, do you? Yes, yes. The <laughs> Alex the Alex Ross cover on this is oh, wow. amazing, and it it does show what I'm what I'm talking about how it's how it's kind of coming the, up behind the, the way you held it just there, like the 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 circle of light just really highlighted oh, yeah. his specific <laughs> underparts. Yes, all the underparts. Um, <laughs> But I really like the way they draw Loki in this book too. He's he's younger, but like in certain panels, he looks more like Lady Loki, like really effeminate. But then other times he doesn't, and he's just this amorphous, like. And they still androgynous. Yeah, they well they they call him uh, he and brother and all that stuff. But the way they draw him is is different, and I I love it. It looks it looks so cool. Um, so yeah, that one, those, the two issues are out now. I would suggest picking them up because this looks like it's going to be a pretty good run. Al Ewing is, is pretty good at doing that comic writing thing. So, uh, the next one I read was a uh, contest of chaos, uh, X-Men number one. Uh, I did not know wh- I had no other context in the, uh, what the contest of chaos was, but apparently it's, it's basically a, a versus comics, but it's made by Agatha Harkness and there's like, they get put in a dome and she's drawing the power from their fights. And this one was uh, Cyclops and captain Marvel. Mm. And they get, uh, teleported to some weird, uh, uh, I think it's Iceland. I think that's where it's at. It's either a weir- it's either supposed to be Iceland or it's actually Iceland. Uh, but they go there, and the cool thing is, is they chose those two because they constantly control their powers so they don't hurt others. Mm. 
and whatever this dome is made of is like they're just getting it's making them angry for no reason so it's kind of wearing away at their control and it just showed they show the difference of how they handle keeping under control carol she's got she's admitted she has a a short temper so she's constantly used to like having to dial it back so that's kind of her her way of control where uh scott is more of a come up with all the plans and like planning ahead and that's how he keeps his control and how he keeps his cool but they're both really trying not to fight each other but as as it goes on it starts it starts uh uh building up and eventually scott takes off his visor and just blasts her and she's like you've got to be the stupidest person i know because i can absorb all this she absorbs it all and he goes yes but i also know that if you use any of that power you're going to destroy the planet and i know you won't do that and she goes shit (laughs) you got me on that one son of a bitch (laughs) and uh yeah, there's more going on and they kind of cut out after that uh, with Spider-Man and Jessica Jones trying to figure out magic stuff. I may try and track down the rest of the uh, contest of chaos ones just to kind of see what the what the whole story is about. But it, it it was it was a good one. And because when I first saw it, I was like, oh, well, Captain Marvel versus Cyclops. That's not really a fight. She's just <laughs> she's going to wreck his ass. But they did it in a in an interesting way. Uh, I have two more. I read the Miss Marvel New Mutant uh, from Iman uh, Vellani and uh, the actress that plays Miss Marvel in the show and Sabir uh, Prasada. Uh, Art is by Carlos Gomez and Adam Gorham. Colors by Eric uh, Arkigna and letters by Joe. I always screw these last names up. Joe Camarango. Carmanga. Um, so this one was this one was really cool. Uh, I don't want to get too much into it because I know Ryan, it's going to be on your it's going to be on your list. How how is she? Is it like a big thing? How she's a mutant now instead of a inhuman, or is this like a is that like the pl- a plot point, or is that just an incidental? This is they explain it. Uh, so so the the plot kind of is is there. She goes to a summer program that is actually run by Orcus and the X-Men have her spying on it because they Mm -hmm. don't know she's a mutant. Mm -hmm. So she's kind of doing undercover work and you get a little, you get a little, um, a cameo of shadow cat, Kate pride in the Mm -hmm. full ninja. She's got the mask. Oh, nice. Full on, Mm -hmm. full on ninja. And I'm like, Ooh, this is going to be fun. Um, but yeah, so she's there kind of, kind of spying on them. And she, she has this conversation with Emma where she says, Hey, don't tell anyone you're a mutant. Trust me. It never goes well. And she's like, Oh, okay. So she tells like Bruno, her best friend. And he's Mm -hmm. like, Oh, okay. Awesome. Cool. And she's like, yeah. And I died and I came back. Um, it was weird, but you guys don't remember that. Um, (laughs) so, so, there's a whole thing of just him being super supportive, but then there's a part where she saves a bunch of people and she's in this X-Men Miss Marvel get up outfit thing. And it's got the big X on her belt Mm -hmm. and she has saved people 
hundreds of times like this. But the second she's a mutant, the people that she saves are like, ew, you're mm-hmm. a mutant? Ew. Oh, I can't believe she touched me. An immediate prejudice against her because she's a mutant, even though nothing has changed with the way she saves people. So they kind of they kind of address it. I read mm-hmm. the first two issues. They're both they're they're really good. Mm-hmm. I was I was happy and I think it's I think it's gonna be a four issue series, but it's it's excellent. Excellent. I can't recommend it enough. Hmm. And then the last one I read, surprise, uh, the new Daredevil number one, uh, written by Saladin Ahmed, art by Aaron Cooter, uh, colors by Abrutov, and letters by Clayton Cowles. So this one takes place right after the Zadarsky run, where uh, Daredevil went to hell and fought the Hand Demon and came back, but he doesn't know who he is and he, but he he's back and he's alive and no one else knows he's alive except Electra because she ran into him and kind of just has been looking over him. So Matt is a priest now and he is uh, looking over children, like not an orphanage, but like a home for orphan children so i guess an orphanage but it's really small and it's cool like electra's paying the bills to keep the lights on through like anonymous donations uh in the first issue there's uh some weird demon that takes over uh and possesses electra and then so she tries to come kill him and the way the art is drawn is matt can see the demon like half hanging out of her body while she is so it's it's and they do it in a very very interesting way and by the end you know through fighting he remembers everything but then he chooses to stay at the church watching over the kids because he thinks that's more important than going back and being a lawyer so that's kind of where the first issue leaves off it it it's one of the, you know, it's the Zadarsky's been writing Daredevil for a minute now, so getting a new voice on it took took a second. But I think it's great. I think it's great. I'm the target audience, but um, I think I think it it it'd be a good. They do a good job of kind of just shortly wrapping up. Like, ah, uh, he was in hell. He's back now. That's all you need to know. Moving forward, and. Like the action scenes are drawn really well. And yeah, so that's one that I would suggest. And that is the end of what I have been reading. I read a lot. Mm-hmm. You you read some Star Wars, right? I am reading a a a, a, a prose novel, a book, uh, a, a not book a book? comic. But a, yeah, I didn't want to say book book, but um, <laughs> and it's it's Rise of the Red Blade. By Delilah S. Dawson. She's been doing a lot of uh, Star Wars stuff recently. It's been pretty good. Um, this book is it's about an Inquisitor. Um, this Inquisitor uh, first appeared in the Darth Vader uh, comics recent, like in the beginning of I think Volume One of the Marvel Darth Vader comics. Um, and this is kind of the backstory. She's she's not not named in in the comics, and she's not because you know how the Inquisitors have like first brother and second sister and whatnot. She's not given a title either, and she's not named. Um, but turns out her name's Iskatakaris, and she was a Padawan uh, in the right before the Clone Wars. And and the story starts kind of like right before the Clone Wars, and then goes up through Order sixty six, and goes up through 
um, where that comic happens. And it's really, it gives her a backstory, it gives her a complete character arc of somebody that just was in one issue or a couple issues of, of a Vader comic. And it takes the opportunity to give a, like a point of view character in, in an entry to the Inquisitorious, which I think is cool because we've never really explored mm. that, what they're like, what their training was like and how they were formed. Um, and so that's really cool. Um, she, she's kind of a, a, an outcast character. Um, she's the only one of her species. The Jedi don't really know where she came from or, or her home world or anything. She never really fit in. Her master was kind of a, an absentee master. And so she kind of has those feelings and, and then doesn't fit in with the Jedi and then, and then gets, gets in with the Inquisitorious. And I really, I thought it was a really good story. Hmm. That sounds interesting. Yeah. I like, I like Delilah Dawson stuff. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Uh, Chris. Yes, I'm going to switch books on you. I know I told oh, you okay. before we started, but I'm going to switch books on you because uh, the one, and I will do the the other one next time because there's some backstories. That's not the first book in that series. Oh, okay. um, so I just want to do some research about like what we're leading into. But right. I did, uh, our good friends over at Black Hat Comics was running a 50% off of their trade paperback sale. So I grabbed a bunch of stuff from there. And one thing that I read from there that is one of my favorites, it is Squee. This is from uh, the, the creator of Invader Zim, Jonan Vasquez. And it is a uh, blast from the past. This, uh, this trade paperback came out in 2004. Um, and these were all comics that appeared in his comic book, uh, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac and uh, Squee, which... Uh, uh, has all the characters uh, um, Filler Bunny, uh, Happy Noodle Boy, uh, Squee, and it is full of, if you're an Invader Zim fan, uh, full of prototypes for his for the Invader Zim cartoon. Yeah, the tallest are in there for sure. They, the, the aliens that, uh, that they look like the tallest, um, and they're also <laughs> very uh inept they are the squee is this is this little boy who has a terrible home life and uh lots of anxiety and, and social awkwardness he's a student in a school the teacher from that school is uh from invader zim is just in this uh in this comic she's for those you can't see i'm showing the guys she's just right there mm. and he's in class and the the person who's invading his class is satan uh, uh, Jonan always, uh, or the son of Satan, excuse me. It's the, it's the son of Satan. So there's even like a storyline in here where they come over for dinner and it has the, the parents dressed as other people. So it's like the pilot episode of, of Invader Zim when he has the robot parents that are talking to the neighbor. Mm-hmm. And so you go back and read this and he is working out all uh, everything that that is is going to become invader zim and you can see all of this artwork that is all like your hot topic t-shirts from the early 2000s uh he had a lock on on all of that uh on that style um Mm -hmm. and just reading back through this it is it is really funny he uh i've collected everything uh from this guy from the uh, the filler bunny. It was actually the first thing when I walked into Black Cat Comics. The first time I said, "Hey, recommend me some stuff." And the first thing he handed me was Filler Bunny came out this month. Like it's a collection. He would 
uh, his pagination wasn't right for his comic, so he had to do like extra four pages or like one or two pages in the back of his comic because he does it all. He did it all by himself, right? And so he'd put in this comic that it was a one page thing called Filler Bunny, and it was just nonsense. It was just something he just made a page, but then he had done so many of those that he could make his its own comic, and so he did that. And uh, at the time in Utah, we did not get a lot of comic book people out to Utah. Um, there were only uh, like two, three really big comic book stores. It was Comics Utah, which I used to work at, uh, Dr. Volts, which never had guests, and uh, Night Flight Comics, which was in a uh, the Cottonwood Mall, I think it was called. Um, that's long gone. <laughs> it's, it, hmm. But it was like, it was a destination comic book store. Uh, everyone who lives in Utah has a story about... <laughs> Or several stories about going to Night Flight Comics. Um, so, but they brought in uh, Jonan Vasquez once. And even though I didn't get to meet him there, it was like a, hey, it was a person who actually bothered to come out to Utah to meet with comic book fans. And so he always had like a a, a place. And I love Invader Zim. So going back and seeing him work it out is is pretty great. And getting it for half off. Like, how can you go wrong? Right, right. I also picked up something else that I am super excited to read, and I'll have a review for this for next time. It's called Kill Your Darlings, Uh, Mm -hmm. number one uh, from Image Comics. Uh, It says uh, Parker Sheridan, Quinn, and Hill. And uh, the cover is horrifying because it's a little girl covered in blood, and all of her stuffed animals have been decapitated, and that's where the blood is coming from. But the the storyline looks like it's about a, a kid who either is goes into a fantasy land or something like that where their uh the um uh her stuffed animals like are fighting this war this bloody uh war it looks it just from first glance at it it reminds me of you mentioned uh, stuff of legend is that the one where he's uh the kid's dying and it's like his fever dreams with his stuffed animals and and his stuffed animals go on an adventure to save him Yes. Yeah, we did it for book club. Yeah, that one. Um, I don't think I read it for that. I ha- I read it otherwise. Um, yeah, it reminds me of that. Uh, and uh, oh, there was another thing that it just that I was thinking of. I can't get it now. But yeah, I'll have a review for that one next time. Sweet, sweet. Hey, uh, Andrew. T- no, go ahead. No, no, I was gonna say, Andrew, tell us about some Hawkman. Oh, I've been reading Silver Age Hawkman. I I have a. <laughs> graphic novel collection of the Joe Kubert Hawkman stuff from the early to mid sixties. And I think the trade paperbacks from the late eighties. So it's on that like heavy construction paper that you, uh, uh, get the old collections with. And so it also creaks like a haunted house every time you open it because it's, (laughs) uh, 35 years old, but, uh, yeah, it's terrific. And, uh, Joe Kubert, uh, good thing he opened a school that guy was a master uh terrific stuff i really uh enjoyed going back through those old science fiction books yeah that's awesome um so that's that's all i had uh, for the show today do you guys have anything else you want to talk about before we go uh yes uh coming out in a couple of weeks uh chad harden of uh harley quinn fame and uh the early uh dragon age origins comics mm-hmm. 
Um, he's going to have a Kickstarter coming out called uh, Death Watch uh, Number One. It has it's about a uh, vampire hunter uh, that looks really cool. It's is self published project, so um, yeah, I'll have more information about it as it goes live. But uh, keep an eye out for that. Yeah, that's awesome. That's oh, uh, speaking of that, uh, congratulations to uh, Evan. He hit his his goal for Wasatch Wonders that we talked about last last episode so that's awesome good for him i'm excited Hooray! excited for that um uh andrew chris go ahead and uh, plug your stuff ron Valiety studios on everything v-e-l-l-e-i-t-y pronounced like deity uh we are making comics and doing our best <laughs> And that's all we can hope for. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Uh, Thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, You you found this podcast. You can find more of our podcasts where you found this podcast. You can find us on uh, Instagram, uh, X. I keep wanting to say Twitter, but it's not. Uh, Threads, everything, everywhere at the Nerd Keep calling it Twitter. It makes him mad. (laughs) (laughs) So we should say it more. Uh, Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So, yeah, uh, if you have any comments or questions, go ahead and send them in. And that's all I got. Uh, Ryan? Don't forget to subscribe. You may now exit the dome. Fuck responsibility. I could see the whole time. Hail Hydra. (laughs) Got anything for us this time, Andrew? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, guys.